Welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. I'm your host, Corey Graham. Join us here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where the independent new authors come first. If you've ever felt like everything in the world is just against you, then this next book might be for you. It's called What is Worth? A Memoir. It's written by Jennifer Lahr, and I'm speaking with Jennifer here right now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Jennifer, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Of course, thank you. Can you tell me all about What is Worth? A Memoir? I was going through a very difficult time in my life and just felt like no matter how hard I tried and no matter what I did, I just wasn't going to get out of it. And so I did the exact opposite of what most people think to get out of like a really dark spot. You know, they'll try to keep pushing and pushing. And I ended up just kind of falling into it per se and actually found that the way out of all of my negative thinking with depression and anxiety was overcoming it by accepting it. And then after I accepted it, I was able to actually transform into being stronger than it and not allowing it to overcome me anymore. And then move into a better kind of overall mindset. And I used to have a lot of problems with feeling worthy of anything in life and valued or as though I would actually be able to bring value to anyone else, let alone myself. And so going through all of the depression and anxiety and everything else in my life that was just kind of crumbling down around me, I actually found that instead, it wasn't in spite of the fact that I had those. It was, I was still who I was even with those and they didn't have to define me. And so it was a really different way of seeing value and worth in yourself than we're kind of told in society. Hmm. Jennifer, what kinds of readers were you looking to reach with this? A lot of the books that I read are self-help. So I was kind of wanting to reach readers who are kind of in that area of wanting help, but not knowing what to look for hmm. or trying every book. And they have lots of good pieces from lots of books, but yet they're still not kind of able to put those pieces together. So really just people who are interested in their own self-development and they're trying and, you know, they're trying to do everything that they can and always interested in growing no matter what growth looks like for them, because growth is always good. Oh, this is such a personal work for you. Uh, was this difficult for you to write? Did it take a long time? I actually wrote the whole book in 55 days, but I had been thinking about writing it for about four years. I just mm. really much felt like I wasn't at the space to write it yet. And then when I was finally there, it just poured out. What's your writing background look like? Have you ever done anything like this before? No, I actually work in emergency medicine. And so my writing background looks like a bunch of reports after patient contact. But I have done personal blogs and just general writing for myself pretty much over the years. I've been doing that probably since I was about 15. So what was that moment like for you when you got to hold that first copy in your hands? Oh, it was awesome. It was absolutely incredible. It was kind of the first step and wow, I actually made this and it was great. Nothing like it. So what's next? Are you writing more, thinking about publishing some more? I'm thinking about it. Actually, 
I'm trying to start coaching for anxiety and depression because I know it so intimately. Mm. The whole point of writing the book was to be, hey, you're not alone. You can do this. And so the coaching program is an extension of that saying, hey, I've gone through this. And if you're wanting some help, I know what it's like. And I know how to overcome it. There may be another book down the line. I've actually started four other books, but then I get sidetracked just because I can't quite figure out where I'm trying to go. Mm. And I know in time, it'll, it'll all come back. But for now, I'm just trying to focus on one thing at a time. Do you have any words of advice now that you could offer to aspiring authors who are listening? Just write it. Know that you can only do, like, do everything you can, but at the end of the day, like any great art, people are going to get from it what they need. Mm. So just write it in the best way you can. It doesn't have to be perfect. It's yours. It doesn't have to be perfect. Hmm. Well, Jennifer, thank you for reaching out and helping to bring healing to others. The book is called What is Worth? A Memoir. It's written by Jennifer Lahr, and it's published by Fulton Books. You can find this everywhere that you shop for books like Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Jennifer, thanks again for stopping by the show. I had a wonderful time chatting with you. You too. And thank you for having me. Blessed. Understanding the Book of Revelation is the new book by Dennis Turnbaugh, and I'm really happy to be speaking with him here right now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Dennis, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Now, understanding the Book of Revelation is quite a tall order, so can you tell me about your book? Well, I got interested, very interested in the book back in 1986, or in the subject of Revelation and was fortunate enough to be around an individual who conducted a two-week class on it. And I gained a, what I thought was a decent understanding out of that. And because of that, it's never been a book or anything that I've shied away from. And so I continued to touch base back with it. And here, oh, a couple of years ago, I was motivated to do something about it by living and making a living and and all of that always seemed to get in the way of doing anything like I'd wanted to do from the time I uh, first became interested in the book. Mm. But in the last oh, two, two and a half years, I reached a point where it was time to quit thinking about it and, and start working on it. It turned out to be more work than I thought, but it was very rewarding. Mm. What sorts of readers were you looking to reach with the book? Actually, there's a, a couple of different uh, goals. One was I just felt a calling to write the book. And mainly, it seems like even when you're in a church that touches on Revelation occasionally, it touches in one place or another, but never really gets into it in depth. Either that or you get one that gets into a whole lot of depth and covers a lot of different looks at the book and it becomes confusing. My goal was to write a rather short but complete explanation of the entire book. There's some of it that's very understandable, and some of it seems to scare people away. Mm -hmm. And what I wanted to do is go from the beginning of the book to the end of the book, use the rest of the Bible as much as possible to explain what was being said in the book of Revelation, and keep it very unspeculative. I, I guess the first time I was exposed to it was back in by Hal Lindsey's late great planet Earth, and I was so oh, maybe a teenager when I looked at that, and it didn't make a lot all fit together. 
Hmm. What I wanted to do was for the believer, have him to be able to go in there and read it and have a fairly good feeling of his understanding of what God was trying to say in the book. Hmm. Then the other thing, I think we're getting fairly close to the end of the church age. And after the rapture of the church, there are going to be a lot of people left behind. Some, I think, who thought they were knew what God was doing, but had added their own interpretation to God's word. And I want, wanted something around that people who missed the rapture could pick up and read and understand what had happened and what was going to happen over the course of the tribulation and the millennium. And so my goal was to set something out that everybody could read. And when you look at Revelation chapter, I think it's 22 and verse 11, it says, Let the one who does wrong still do wrong, and the one who is filthy still be filthy. And let the one who is righteous still practice righteousness, and the one who is holy still keep himself holy. And then I, I just went in as a comment on that verse, said, many will be purged, purified, and re well, actually, this is a quote from Daniel. Many will be purged, purified, and refined, but the wicked will act wickedly, and none of the wicked will understand, but those who have insight will understand. Then I added, the book of Revelation will not necessarily change the unbeliever or the believer from their current way of thinking. However, the prophecy should be shared with everyone so that no one will be able to say, I did not know. No one ever told me. That was my goal. Hmm. Well, if you're struggling with the book of Revelation, then you might want to check this one out. It's called Blessed, Understanding the Book of Revelation. It's written by Dennis Turnbaugh and published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find it everywhere that you pick up books like Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Dennis, thank you again for joining me here tonight. I had a really nice time having you on the show. Well, I thank you very much for the opportunity to share it, and I hope and pray that the book will be a blessing to everyone just as it has been to me. Right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable, I'm sitting down with author Taishambe Thompson. She's written a new book. It's called The Perception of Trauma, Spiritual Guide to Becoming Whole from Trauma. So uh, Taishambe, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Thank you, Corey, for having me. Can you tell me all about your new book? Congratulations, by the way, for getting it out there. Oh, thank you so much. Oh, what can I say about the book? It's multifaceted. Um, mm. I, it came from the concept of adult childhood experiences in which we perceived either through actual or by individual thoughts about abuse and trauma. And they caused us to, you know, kind of sometimes live negative lives or the lives that we don't want to have. Mm. Can you think back to where you got the idea or the inspiration to write this book and then publish it? Yeah, pretty much. It actually comes from a very personal space. You know, I grew up in a pretty decent household, but as in everybody's house, I'm sure, there's just differences and things that happen that just don't seem right or a little off. And so through some of that, I went through my own personal abuse and trauma from my eldest brother. So what it derived from is just a pretty much misguided lifestyle, you know not knowing right from wrong, changing direction quite frequently, not knowing which way to head, mm. inability of finding who I am and getting centered. What kinds of readers were you looking to reach with this? Generally, 
I think most people have had childhood experiences that cause some type of ill effect in their lives. Mm. Whether we gravitate to saying that they were traumatic or saying that they were abusive situations in our childhood, mm, it's individual. I think most people have had something happen that made them either push forward or some people to pause and become zombie-like in life. And other people cause them to be, you know, the addicts or the derelicts that they've become because of these experiences. So it could go either way. It's I can only say that it's personal. It's the person's own individual perception of what happened and what they're doing out of it. And a lot of people are very successful, yet depressed. You know, we see successes. You know, I have a big house. I have lots of money. I have three, four, five children. I have a nice car. But interior-wise, that inner child is still suffering because we haven't taken grasp hold to, you know, what has caused that inner child to be sad, depressed, or, you know, suicidal kind of things. Hmm. Would you say this book is primarily for Christians then, or is it broader? It's broader. It's definitely broader. I think everybody who reads it would get some piece of understanding either of themselves or even of other people Mm. out of the book. You know, now you can sort of have compassion towards somebody who's an addict because they've Mm. been through a traumatic experience that they've yet to verbalize and try to get realization as to what has happened and how can I go forward? They stay stuck in that inner child and can't get past those moments. And so it could bring, for one reader, it can bring you to a deeper level of compassion for other people And for another reader, it can bring a great renewal to their own mind and and, and begin a stage of transforming how they even see themselves or perceive themselves. Hmm. Tyshawn Bay, how difficult was this for you to write? Did it take you a long time? I've been probably writing this book since about 2007. Hmm. So, yeah, it took a long time because even as I go back to read the book, I, I know it's a very... I think it's pretty much about 65 pages and it is like stock hard. It hits you from one angle to the next. There's very little fluff to it. It just gets to the point and it drives that point in and it goes on to the next point. And even as I was reading it back, I was like, oh my God, I'm stuck on chapter three because you have to read it all over again to get the full revelation of what it's saying to you. It's even odd for me to read the book. (laughs) (laughs) The title of the book is The Perception of Trauma, Spiritual Guide to Becoming Whole from Trauma. It's written by Tyshawn Bay Thompson, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this everywhere that you shop for books, like on Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, traditional brick-and-mortar stores, everywhere. Tyshawn Bay, what a wonderful time I had speaking with you tonight. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Well, thank you again, Corey, for having me on the show, and I just wish you all the blessings ahead of you as well. (laughs) Right now, here at the Reader House Author Roundtable, I'm sitting down with author Ron Ritchie. Ron, thanks for being here with me. Happy to speak with you today. I'm just, uh, otherwise, I'd be watching my TV shows. (laughs) Well, I'm really happy to have you here on the show. You have a new book out. It's called Poems for Gnomes and Everyone Else. Can you tell me about it? Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a culmination of poems, actually, that I wrote over a period of time. I've been doing, actually, writing for, for several years, but about half of my writing is poems. Mm. I get that from reading hundreds of books, poems and uh, stories, fantasy, 
I've just been an avid reader for a long time. And then I just started writing things down. After you read about a thousand books, you kind of get this sense that maybe you could write something yourself. And so you sit down and give it a try. And there you go. Hmm. What kinds of readers were you looking to reach with it? Kind of like Mr. Rogers, just the people in your neighborhood, the people that you meet when you're walking down the street, you know, people in restaurants, everywhere you go, the people that you meet. My poems are um, for uh, a more adult people. They're not like nursery rhymes. They're poems for older people. They're clean and wholesome, but it's for more mature people. Like uh, a lot of them are about drinking beer at the tavern with the guys. Uh, I get uh, a lot of these ideas from um, years ago, about 900 years ago, there's a man named Omar Khayyam. He's got a famous book called The Rubiot, and I've gotten some of my ideas from him. He was a big influence on me, actually. So this is the first time you've been published then? Yes. I was kind of edged on by some of my friends. I originally, I wasn't planning on publishing anything. I was just writing this down for my friends and people to read, and several people kind of elbowed me and told me, hey, you should publish some of this. Hmm. I kind of hem-hawed and told them, no, I don't really think so. But then several of them told me, yeah, you should publish some of this stuff. And so I just, well, I kept that idea in the back of my mind. One day I just uh, looked up some publishers on the internet and found Fulton Publishing. And the thing that really got me, that hooked me and dragged me in, was the idea that I could have a book that I could hold in my hand and hand to my children and say, yeah, I made this. Mm. And they could hand it down. And after I'm gone, they'd have a, like a window into my mind and the times I lived. And long after I'm gone, that just kind of, that appealed to me. So I just jumped in, feet first. What was that moment like for you when you got to hold that first copy in your hands? It was a quite an experience. Everybody would like to leave something to the children. Mm. And most people... As they uh, go through life, they, they're just here. And after they're gone, there's nothing that has a footprint. They, don't, they leave no footprint here after they're gone. When I got this, I thought, a book that I can hand to my kids, this will be my legacy. Mm. After I'm gone, they will one day look and see this book here, and they'll think, well, pick it up and start reading. And it'll give them a window into my mind where I was in those years gone by. It is something I can hand out to my kids. It was, it, was a, it was a good feeling to be able to hand them down, not just money or possessions, but a piece of my mind, my thoughts. And it's me, a piece of myself that I can give to them mm. instead of money and possessions. Those, those things, they come and go. But your persona is, uh, well, it, it's you. Mm. And so just to hand a piece of myself down to my kids, it was a good feeling. Ron, what are the chances that you'll be releasing more in the future? It depends. If this venture pans out, I've got a couple of more books that I would like to publish. If this is a uh, losing venture, then I'll be done. I have a wife I have to answer to. Mm. She didn't really want me to go in for this in the first place, but did it in spite of her. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love my wife. She was not on board with this from the start, but uh, Mm. if I could make a go of it, if this is a successful venture, I have two more in the the works. Ron, do you have any words of advice that you can offer now to the aspiring authors who are listening? Well, my advice to other would-be authors is if you have something worth writing down, get it published. Don't pass up an opportunity to communicate with your descendants. You may never be wealthy or famous, but you can leave your children a part of yourself by writing them a letter. Do it. It's fantastic advice. I encourage our listeners to check this book out. It's called Poems for Gnomes and Everyone Else. It's written by Ron Ritchie, and it's published by Fulton Books. 
You can find this everywhere that you shop for your books, like Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Ron, thank you again for joining me on the show tonight. I had a wonderful time learning about your work and chatting with you. Thank you, and uh, you have a great day. Your Walk Walks and Your Talk Talks. That's the name of the new book by Laura Goss. And I'm speaking with Laura right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Laura, thank you so much for being here tonight. It's a privilege. Thank you. Congratulations on getting this new book out on shelves right now. It's called Your Walk Walks and Your Talk Talks. Can you tell me what it's all about? Just point blank. There's so many people out there that claim to be one way and they don't act that way. They'll, they'll talk it, but they don't walk it. Hmm. And this just pertains to the whole book is my Christian walk, the ups, the downs, the ins, the outs of Christianity until I made Jesus my Savior and Lord. I would say it, but I didn't act it. And I think so many people can relate to that in the world, especially today with people saying that they're one way and then they turn around and act a whole nother way. So it's just the story of my life. What sort of a reading audience did you have in mind for it? My reading audience can be anyone that doesn't think that they're worthy of the love of Jesus Christ. I don't care if you're young, if you're old, if you think you know it and you're just looking for answers. It's for anyone that is lost in their own self. Mm. Everything in this book is so personal for you, Laura. So was this difficult for you to write? Did it take you a long time? It actually took me four years to write it due to the fact that when I got to the chapter called Caged, that's about my second marriage. And when I started writing it, I had to stop because I had to live through those emotions Hmm. and I just stopped. And so, yeah, it took me four years because of that one year gap. And have you ever done anything like this? What's your writing background look like? (laughs) My writing background is essays for school and college. I did write a children's book that is actually sitting in my computer praying for a day that I can maybe publish it. But writing a book, who knew? Who knew I had it in me? So, Laura, can you think back to that moment whenever you got the idea, the inspiration? You're like, I have to put this on paper. I got to get this published. Absolutely. October of 2014, I started out on a walk from Santa Fe, New Mexico to Austin, Texas, and I was connecting the two clinics of which I have been treated for HIV. And it was for me, I thought it was a walk for of remembrance for those who have lost the fight those who are still fighting. But by the time I got to the end, I knew that it was more than that. It was a spiritual journey. The people who went with me, family members and a best friend's husband that that went along with me, it was a connection that needed to be fulfilled and grow and making clarity in my own life. And so when I got done with that walk in 2014, from October to November, it was imperative that I write a book. Now, when I started the book, I thought it was about the walk, but it was actually about my walk. Mm. Have you given any thought to maybe writing more after this and publishing more? I'm in the first four, maybe five chapters of the book that is coming out of the chapter Caged. I am writing what it was like trying to live a Christian life, being married to a person who is narcissistic. And it's been pretty emotional, but God has given me some clarity and some freedom. And I'm not near as stumped as I was when I first started that chapter in the book. Mm. Laura, what was that moment like for you when you finally got to hold the first copy of your walk walks and your talk talks in your hands? (laughs) 
I screamed, I cried, I called my husband. Actually, I think I've sent him a picture. It was so overwhelming. I was nauseous. I was excited. I was overjoyed. I was scared to death. The vulnerability rose. Oh my goodness. It was a very powerful moment for me. Mm. Laura, do you have any words of advice that you could offer listeners who want to get a first book out and they want to get their message out to the world? Don't be afraid. Mm. If you believe that you have a story to tell, that means that there's somebody out there that needs to hear your testimony. That first step of getting that notebook or that computer out and just writing down your thoughts will be so liberating. Do it. Just simply start writing. Well, I encourage everybody listening to check this book out. It's called Your Walk Walks and Your Talk Talks. It's written by Laura Goss, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can get this everywhere that you shop for books like Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Laura, thank you again for joining me here tonight. I had a great time learning about your book, about your work, and just a really nice time chatting. Thank you so much. It's been an honor and a privilege. Through Dreams, Book Two. It's the new book by Carrie Remick, and I'm really happy to be talking with her about it right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Carrie, thanks so much for joining me here tonight. Thank you. It's an absolute pleasure. I'm really curious to hear about Through Dreams, Book Two, but for those of us who aren't familiar with the series, what's been going on so far, could you catch us up a little bit and then tell us what you've brought to the table in Book Two? Book One was written through the stars, and that it was just basically the start of their love story. It's about two people. They fell in love at a very young age. They were destined to be together, born on the same day. And th that whole book is just them forming their relationship and all the wonderful things that come in the beginning of the relationship. Okay, they get married at the end of Written in Stars. And through dreams, a terrible accident happens. And the, one of the main characters ends up in a coma. He finds himself lost in this new world where mystical creatures run the land. And he has to try to battle his way through their demons to get home. The longer he stays stuck in the stream world, the harder it is to see the light to get home. But luckily for him, his wife's unending love crosses through all boundaries to create a light to guide him home. Carrie, what kinds of readers do you think would really be into Through Dreams? It's a romance book, so I would definitely say the romance readers. This second book, Through Dreams, kind of goes with the fictional sci-fi side. Hmm. It's all abstract, like dream worlds. Nothing seems right in it. Where do you find your ideas or your inspiration for your stories? I have always loved writing. I've always had a passion since a very, very young age. And for me, it's really weird. It's like these stories play out in my mind like, it's like I'm watching a movie. And one day I just decided to start writing them down. And before I knew it, I had this wonderful book and I'm just so excited about. Hmm. Now, prior to this or the first book, have you ever done anything like this before when it comes to writing and publishing? I have, haven't had anything published. Back when I was in grade school, I did get awards for my poem writing. And then I kind of quit, you know, you get into your careers and start going with life. And just a couple of years ago, I decided that I really wanted to get back into it. And Written in the Stars is my first published book. And then Through Dreams was the second one. And I'm working on my third one now. Fantastic. There's nothing like getting that finished copy in your hands, that very first one. What was that moment like for you when you got to hold it? Oh, it was absolutely amazing seeing something that I worked so hard form into this. It was touchable. It was just absolutely amazing to see it. 
Carrie, now you're a published author. What's the most rewarding aspect of that for you? I love seeing my book online and just everywhere. I just absolutely love it. Carrie, can you give any advice to the people who are listening right now who want to go down that road of writing their first book and publishing? Definitely. It's a lot of hard work, but it is definitely worth it to see it all come out. And it's very time consuming. It took lots of hours, lots of sleepless nights, but it was so worth it. So worth it in the end to see something that I worked so hard at. What happens when you get writer's block? Do you ever deal with that? And then what do you do about it? So far, I haven't really had writer's block. I've had it to where I've had a little bit of a pause and I just kind of sit back, enjoy my kids for a little bit. And then for some reason, it just kind of works itself out and the characters are running around again in my mind and I'm just running after them, trying to write down what they're doing as fast as possible. When you write a story, especially fiction like this, do you have an outline? Do you know where the ending is going to be or do you just start writing with something in mind then see where it goes? Actually, this one was a dream that I had. It was kind of outlined in my dream, and I just kind of woke up and just went with it. And it just keeps going and going. And do you get into a sort of routine for writing? You know, some authors want to be in a certain chair or maybe you know, have a certain kind of music in the background. But other authors, they just kind of write whenever and wherever they are when the inspiration hits them. So uh, what kind of author are you? I have a little area set up in the living room with my Alexa really close by. I love to have my music playing, and I work better, honestly, when I hear my kids running around. For some reason, I just get in the zone a lot better hearing them. I encourage our listeners to check this book out. It's called Through Dreams, Book Two. It's written by Carrie Remick, and this is published by Fulton Books. You can get this everywhere. You pick up books like Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, traditional brick-and-mortar stores, everywhere. Carrie, thanks again for stopping by the show. I had such a nice time talking with you. Thank you. It was an absolute pleasure talking with you today. I'm sitting down right now with author Ronald Robbins here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Ronald, thank you for joining me tonight. Thank you, Corey. I'd like to congratulate you for having a new book in stores right now. It's called God's Complete Story. Can you tell me what it's all about? Yeah, I can. There are many mysteries and questions to what we need to have find answers to. And so the thing that I like to ask people is, are they aware of what heaven will be like? Do you know that there is more than one heaven? Do you know how and when the eternal heaven will appear? And are you confused about the strange seven years of God's wrath called tribulation? And what is and when will the rapture occur? And do you know how this earth was created? When will Jesus return? And are you aware of what is told about his second coming? And do you know how and when you'll go to leave this earth? A couple of different ways, even. And we are told by Jesus himself that he will return to set up his kingdom on earth. And so the question comes, do you know where? And of course, when? And all these answers, mysteries, much are found in God's complete story. Ronald, what kinds of readers were you looking to reach with this? Well, I'm hoping that we'll get the combination of readers that are experienced in Bible study and would like to know more of people who are pretty new to the Bible and uh, some of the questions that I just asked, they're not clear to them. But I'm also hoping that there'll be a lot of others that don't know about Jesus as our Savior. And I end the book given a way of salvation. And if they go through the book, and get to that end, I think they'll want to say, yeah, I want to be part of it. And that's what I'm hoping. Hmm. Now, when it comes to writing a book and being published, have you ever done anything like this before? 
Well, I've been a true believer for 62 years. And when I say true believer, I mean in Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Probably 55 years of that, I've done some really in-depth studying of the Bible. And the last 47 years, I've been teaching the Word. I have taught special night courses in Revelations, heaven, both present and permanent. Some people don't realize there's a present and a permanent heaven and about the Gospels and the book of Isaiah. So all of those are experiences of how I got to write writing this book. Hmm. Sounds like it might have taken you a long time considering research and things like that. How long were you working on this? It's hard to say for sure. Probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 16, 17 years. Let me just give you a little side note right here. About 17 years ago, I was getting a feeling in my heart and my mind, and I know it was the Holy Spirit, hmm. telling me, you need to know more about heaven. So I started looking at it to that point about that time, even though I had done a lot of writing and, and praying lessons and whatever, really never thought about doing a book until sometime after that. A year later, my wife took ill. She was diagnosed with ovarian cancer. She has been gone now for 15 years, oh, I'm sorry. and I know the Holy Spirit told me to be prepared, and that's what started me writing it. It's been the last, oh, four or five years where I've been in earnest really writing this book. Hmm. Looking ahead, are you considering writing more books and getting more published? Absolutely. I've already written about a third or a little more to my second book. It's called Follow the Lamb. It'll be a combination of adult and children's book. And then my third book will be about when Jesus was identified in the Old Testament. Most people don't realize that he was there and can point that out. But I've done a lot of research in that one. And I've got a fourth book in mind, which I'll not get into at this point. But yeah, I'm hoping that I can live long enough to do it. Two and a half years ago, I was diagnosed with pancreas cancer. I had a big mass on my pancreas, and I had what they call Whipple. They took part of my liver, part of my pancreas, and uh, put it all back together. And the last two and a half years, the oncologist says, I'm really a, a warrior. I've gone through this thing really extremely well, and the cancer is no longer there. Wow. And so, if the Lord willing, I'm going to continue on writing, I'm going to continue on teaching, and most of all, continuing on witnessed to win as many people to the lost from being lost to saving grace of our Lord and Savior as I possibly can. I encourage our listeners to check it out. It's called God's Complete Story. It's written by Ronald Robbins, and this is published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this everywhere that you pick up books like Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, traditional brick-and-mortar stores, everywhere. Ronald, thank you again for coming on the show with me. I had a great time talking with you. Thank you, Corey. I appreciate it. The Holy Spirit is perhaps the most mysterious and misunderstood person in the Trinity. Dr. May Smalls Glover writes about it in her new book, God the Holy Spirit. I'm really happy that May is joining me now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. May, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Can you tell me what readers can expect to find in God the Holy Spirit? My readers, or the readers per se, and I, I take it personal because the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, in our lives have not been given the importance, the number one place in our lives as we know God the Father, we know Jesus. But the Holy Spirit has become one of a mystery because 
we refer to him as an it. Mm. And that, to me, means that you have degraded him. He was always here. But when it got to the New Testament, when Jesus says, I'm leaving and I'm leaving a comforter, the Holy Spirit, for you, we sort of didn't look at it as a person. You know, we looked at it as the Spirit, as an it. But in all actuality, he is a person. And when we as readers, even Christians and non-Christians from every genre in this world, recognize him as a God, the same importance as we give Jehovah and Jesus Christ. We will become, he will become so great and our lives will be so different. Mm. And I'm speaking from total spiritual experience. So you think that both Christians and non-Christians alike would get a lot from this? Exactly. You know, because the thing is, when we look at God, our Father, He is the great creator of all people. So in my writing, I will always endeavor to include people and forget about the labels as Christians or non-Christians or or whatever else people would refer to themselves as. You know, even a teenager with an understanding would be able to pick up this book and live a fruitful, I mean, a profitable life, as even as dealing with other people, other Christians, other people who are not even, don't even share your beliefs. The Holy Spirit, God, the Holy Spirit is so good that he brings conversation. And from that, the revelations that come out of that conversation and the illumination of the Word of God, we all will be impacted. We all will be great in God because that's how God created us. Hmm. We were all one in unity under the auspices of God the Father, God Jesus Christ, God the Holy Spirit. May, how difficult was this for you to write? Did this book take you a long time? Well, not difficult as we would use the word difficult. It was so soul-propelling because of my life. See, I saw my parents. I grew up in a very strict Christian home. Hmm. And, you know, as adolescents, we grow up and, you know, parents, they don't. And we don't really fully understand at that point what they mean. It was not until I became an adult and started going through some of the things that I could actually literally hear their voices say, child, don't do that, you know, and being disobedient, you know, mm. as we are, I did them. But the Holy Spirit, through going through all of those challenges in my life, when I heard the word, I knew what to do, but I was disobedient. It brought me back to a study and a time of what my parents were talking about, all of the teaching that they gave me. They always put the Bible in front of me, say, study the Word of God. I read the Word of God all those years, but when I came to a place where I studied the Word of God, then the Holy Spirit began to illuminate the Word and the passion and my delight for a life that resembles the life of Christ became so important. And it was all through recognizing the Holy Spirit's value in my life. Mm. I went through some things. It was not easy. It was not pretty. But the Holy Spirit was there leading me and guiding me and having me to come to a place where I know I was wrong. Mm. And to, you know, to say you were wrong, you know, I didn't get that right. A lot of people hide behind not knowing. Mm. 
And I did not want that to be for me. And, you know, the Holy Spirit, as well as God, my Father, placed on me a burden for soul salvation. And we can reach that through the Holy Spirit's guiding us into all truth. And if you desire to better know the wholeness of the Holy Spirit, then you're going to want to check this book out. It's called God the Holy Spirit. It's written by Dr. May Smalls Glover and is published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find it everywhere that you normally shop for books, like at Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, traditional brick-and-mortar stores, everywhere. Well, May, thank you again for coming on the show here tonight. I had such a nice time talking with you. Thank you. So did I. And it's been so blessed. It's the story of hope and strength. It's in the new book by Ehab Botros, and it's titled One Needle at a Time, A Miraculous Journey with Kidney Disease. I'm really happy to be talking with Ehab here right now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Ehab, thank you for joining me here tonight. Oh, it's my absolute pleasure. Can you tell me all about the story that you've told in One Needle at a Time? Uh, Yeah, of course. I had suffered with kidney disease since my youth, since I was a teenager. And my disease, unfortunately, kept progressing until at the point where about 12, 13 years ago, I uh, suffered with uh, total kidney failure. Mm-hmm. And at that time, I had to go on dialysis. During that time, my lovely wife decided to donate her kidney to me, and that was an amazing thing. Mm-hmm. We went in, and unfortunately, it only worked for three days. And then my disease attacked back, mm-hmm. and I was back to square one going on dialysis again. I have been through all sorts of dialysis methods. I've been exposed to almost everything related to kidney disease. And what I wanted to do is write a book to tell my story. You know, I've, I've never really found any material that was written by kidney patients to fellow patients or to their families. What I really wanted to do is document my story. I created a section in there which was called From the Dialysis Chair. And it's basically multiple paragraphs that are short and just to the point telling my fellow patients about the disease, what to expect, some tips and so on. So that's uh, one of my book sections that I really find very important. Ehab, have you ever done anything like this before when it comes to writing a book or being published? What would you say was the most challenging part of writing the book and publishing this? Actually, during the the process of writing it, I, I really wanted to bring forward my experience with all the details as much as possible. But I also have my walk with the Lord and how I spiritually progressed during that experience. Mm. At the time when I was early diagnosed, I actually encountered some unbelievable miracles that happened to me personally. I happen to live now in Toronto, Canada, and the same almost same experiences happened to my parents back home in Egypt, which was amazing. It was apparitions of some crosses, oil in my room, and amazingly, the same thing happened to my parents. And at the time, we were all amazed. The churches certified those as miracles. That was something that really changed my life. And I was expecting, you know, I was expecting that everything would be okay after all those miracles, that I'm going to go in, I'll feel better, everything will be solved. But to my amazement, some miracles that I never expected happened to me, like those crosses. But then again, the miracles that I thought would be given never actually happened, and I remained on dialysis up until today. The most challenging thing for me was to document this range of feelings and how I grew through it all, Mm. going from... You know, I originally trusting the Lord to totally confused, totally doubting everything, doubting that there is a God altogether, and, and then growing out of it into a much stronger person. 
I really, my challenge was to always keep that in mind, bring that and portray it to the readers as much as I can. Mm. Have you given any thought to writing more books and publishing more in the future? Definitely something on my, on my mind. I would love to bring forward more of my experiences with dialysis on the one side, uh, the practical experiences, and on the other side, maybe elaborate more on my relationship with the Lord. Definitely, I would love to. Considering how personal this is to you and how much work and time went into this, what was it like for you that moment you got to hold the first copy in your hands? It was unbelievable. Mm. <laughs> The whole process really wasn't that lengthy as I thought, actually. I started, I remember, July 1st of 2020, and by July 1st, 2021, I was almost ready to publish it. Mm. It was almost in stores, so that was amazing. And I'm sure you learned a lot along the way. Uh, What advice could you give now to authors who are looking to embark on this same journey? Oh, of course. I, I recommend if you have something to share with the public, just put down your thoughts on paper and let your spirit guide you. It's unbelievable. The more I, I was focused on making my you know, grammar good and my words right, I was actually taking longer <laughs> to write. Mm. And as it turned out, as I moved along with, with the book, when, when I just let it go and I just let my thoughts come naturally, it was unbelievable. That part actually was hardly revised again. It was perfect. <laughs> the title of the book is One Needle at a Time. A Miraculous Journey with Kidney Disease. This is written by Ehab Botros, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this everywhere that you shop for books like Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Thank you again, Ehab, for joining me tonight. I had such a wonderful time talking with you. Thank you so much, Corey. Pam Johnston offers a story of hope in the midst of a horrific life. In her new book, A Roadmap Home, Leaving a Life of Abuse, Entering a Life Full of Grace. I'm really happy that Pam is right here with me now. Pam, thank you so much for joining me. Well, thank you for having me. Can you tell me all about the story you've written in A Roadmap Home? Yes. The story in that book is about my life and my sister's life growing up being sexually abused by our stepfather. Hmm. It goes through living that life and how God brought us from where we were to where we are now. Pam, can you think back to where you got the idea, the inspiration to tell this story and then release it to the world? Well, I've spent several years ministering to other women. And during that time, I was so surprised of how many women had a similar story. Hmm. And I knew the process that the Lord had brought me through the steps, through the healing that he brought me through. And through that ministry time, I realized women need to know there is hope and there is a time of healing. So I've had this on my heart to do for a couple of years. And I finally sat down and started putting it on paper. Mm-hmm. What was that moment like for you then when you got to hold the first physical copy of this in your hands? You know, it was so exciting when I opened up that box and I reached in and I held that book in my hand and I'm going, wow, I really did this. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't have done it without the Holy Spirit leading me the whole step of the way. And it was just, it gave me goosebumps when I held the book. Mm. And I thought, wow. You know, I've got this out there. It's a, it's a ministry tool, and it felt great. 
And when you think now that you're a published author, what's the most rewarding aspect of it for you? The most rewarding aspect I can think of right now is that the fact that it's going to reach so many women, it's going to, I feel like it will minister to them. It will give them a roadmap to healing. And that's what my goal is with this book, is that it will give other women a roadmap to their healing. Pam, what's your writing background look like? Have you ever done anything like this before when it comes to writing or publishing? No, this was my first book. What would you say is the most challenging part about the whole thing for you? You know, I think the most challenging part was coming up with the title. Hmm. Because I had been through the healing process, so it comes easy for me now to talk about it and to lead other women through the process. So the most challenging part for me was coming up with that title. Pam, so many listening to us right now are aspiring authors wanting to get their first book out there. What words of advice could you offer them? Yes, I can only tell them what I did. And that was I sat down, I prayed about it, and I asked the Holy Spirit to lead me through every word that needed to be printed. Well, I encourage our listeners to check this book out. It's called A Roadmap Home, Leaving a Life Full of Abuse, Entering a Life Full of Grace. It's written by Pam Johnston, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find it everywhere that you pick up books like Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Pam, thank you again for stopping by the show. I had such a nice time talking with you. Thank you, and I appreciate your time. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. We hope to see you back here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where independent new authors come first.